welcome to episode four of the Tap HR podcast. I can't quite believe I'm saying episode four, but episode four. Thank you so much to everyone that's been listening to us. Um, I really appreciate all of your support. We are available on all the normal podcast streaming channels for you to listen along and like any of our podcasts. Today I'm joined by Anita Ascot-Brooks who is a partner of TAPHR and provides learning and development support to all of our clients. I'm going to be talking through some interesting useful points around managing imposter syndrome. Anita welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly imposter syndrome is? Of course but thank you first of all for inviting me. I'm delighted to talk about this today. So Imposter syndrome, the the phrase itself first was coined back in the 1970s by two psychologists, Suzanne Imes and Pauline Clance, where they did a lot of study on uh, mainly, sorry, highly achieving women in the workplace. And they coined this phrase where they felt that a lot of people, in fact, they estimate about 70% of people experience imposter syndrome. But it's where a pattern of behavior where people doubt their accomplishments and they have this kind of persistent fear that they're going to be found out to be a fraud, that they're not quite good enough to be doing the job they're doing. Now, however, since then, there's been a lot more um, study done on this and it can affect anybody. And like I said, they estimate 70%, but certainly in my experience of coaching people, I would suggest it's quite a lot higher than that. Mm, so you said that early research was linked to women, but mm-hmm. then you've also said obviously it reflect, can affect everyone. Yes. So is it just women or? No, anybody can experience imposter syndrome. I've worked with, uh, you know, anybody uh, and, that in my opinion there's no um, higher sex in terms of who would who would experience it and who wouldn't it's pretty standard um, and that fig- figure doesn't equate to 70% of people all of the time mm-hmm. what it's saying is 70% of people would experience it at least once within their lifetime um, but like I said I've worked with a lot of people who have those you know that that nagging voice in your head that goes mm, yeah but can you you're mm. quite good enough um, and it's you know, it's not something you can wave a magic wand and get rid of, unfortunately. Um, but you can certainly work on it, absolutely. And there's some really key strategies that I've been working on personally for the last few years that I found has really helped me. Are there particular times when someone might experience imposter syndrome, or is it something that people kind of just always have with them? Do you say? I think it depends on the individuals, really. Um, it might be that if somebody's going for a going for a job, for example, they might get that. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm not my experience isn't quite good enough for this. It could just pop up one day when you're doing the job that you've been doing for the last five years. So, mm-hmm. I think that depends on the individual. Um, but certainly, you know, there's. I don't. I was reading um, a report recently, and it was saying when you look at the difference between men and women when they apply for jobs. So. There was, um, they did the survey on this, and there was women who would look at a job spec and go, oh, I can only do hmm, 70 or 80% of that job spec, so I'm not going to apply. They did the same and, and analysed men, and the men would go, oh, look, I can do 80% of that job, oh, I'm definitely going to apply for that because I'll get it. And the whole mindset thing was very different between the, the, you know, the man and the mm. woman, which I thought was really interesting, which kind of links back to what they originally found back in the, back in the 70s. Um, but you know, so so it can pop up at any time, um, and it can pop up for anybody. And how does somebody recognise that they are suffering from um, imposter syndrome? What sort of things would people see or kind of feel in that moment? Okay, well, I think first thing to highlight is that, like I said, anybody can experience this. And a couple of examples of people that I'm sure we'll all know of is somebody like Tom Hanks, 
he absolutely is admitted to you know experiencing imposter syndrome um, Michelle Obama is another one you know we all know who she is you know considered you know worldwide in terms of her expertise knowledge um, and she's you know she absolutely says you know why would people listen to me why would people you know want to believe anything that I've got to say so I think that's really good for knowing that if it's something that you experience that other people do too I think that's always nice to know isn't it mm. um, but in terms of those signs and symptoms and again this you might never have heard the phrase imposter syndrome and and actually until somebody talks about those signs and symptoms you wouldn't know that's something you're, you're experiencing so things like fear of failure so if you didn't go for that promotion or you didn't go for that job because what if I don't get it um, so that's certainly one of them that terror of being found out you know or somebody's gonna you know knock on my office door or you know send me an email going why are you in this job you know you haven't got the right qualifications you haven't got the right skill set to do this um, perfectionism can be another one so if you are somebody who everything has to be a hundred percent right a hundred percent of the time we all know that's not manageable you know we you know we aspire for these things but you know sometimes if something has to give maybe you're on a, a tight time scale um, you know so it's really important that we're realistic in what we can do but if everything has to be perfection that is certainly a symptom and I, I worked with a lady previously who her she was very much this is something she experienced and she um, what she did was she had emails that were sitting in her draft in outbox that she would read five six times before she'd hit send because she wanted to check that her grammar was right her spelling was right the layout was right the content was right and she didn't trust herself to do one and hit send straight away now you could argue that it's good to check those things but to check them five or six times before you do it and bear in mind that was for every email mm. so for her and I, we talked about the consequence of that behaviour and she, she, she said, one, I'm knackered and two, she said, I work very long hours because I can never just do something and, and then it's done. She said, I have to go back to it all the time. Mm. So that, you know, that's, that's really, you know, impacting her life mm -hmm. um, in a negative way. Um, some other ones, procrastination is another one. So that, you know, always talking about it but never actually doing it and I, I, that's certainly one I've experienced. Um, and then, I don't know about you Trish, but sometimes I find I procrastinate about doing something thinking it's going to be really, really hard or difficult to manage and then I do it and go, why did I worry about it? I mm. should have just done it before. Um, so that's certainly one. Um, dwelling on past mistakes is another one. So if you go into something new and every time think, oh yeah, but when I did it before, it didn't work out well or I made this mistake, I'm bound to do that again. It's that kind of limiting belief around that particular task mm -hmm. that can then stop you moving forward. Um, feelings of self-doubt, and then the one that I talk about a lot when I, I work with clients is the negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. So that little voice in your head, and how kind is that little voice being to you? See, I really struggle with that little voice in my head, so I, I have a, not that I have, voices in my head um, <laughs> but I definitely have a much more kind of positive narrative mm -hmm. and then that kind of nagging narrative that's like well, what, if you, what if you do it wrong what if you fail yeah. what will people think of you if you are to do something wrong in the moment or just in general what kind of things can people do or what strategies are available to help people manage imposter syndrome okay so there are there are things that you can do that 
a lot of these will be things that I would suggest you need to practice. Um, and this is something that I started working on, it must be two and a half years ago now, three years ago, because my nagging voice in my head got a bit got a bit overexcited, shall we say, and was that was I was hearing that a lot more than my kind of inner cheerleader. Um, so we'll talk about how we can kind of manage that. But there's a few few things. The first thing I would suggest is acknowledge that you have this and accept it. It's part of you, it's part of your wiring doesn't make you there's nothing wrong with you it's just what you're experiencing in that in that moment so just being mindful of the fact that it is something that you have and just also be mindful of the language you use around it so rather than I'm suffering with it it might be I experience it because if you tell yourself you're going to suffer with it you're more likely to suffer with it mm -hmm. so that language is really key as well some other things that you can practice that will help you almost like in prepare for those moments are listing your achievements. So I have, believe it or not, in my email um, inbox, I have a folder called I am awesome. <laughs> no laughing. And you are, you are very <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you. Um, but I have an I am awesome folder, and in there, when I get positive feedback from clients, um, I scribble that away in my I am awesome folder. And for me, if I get a moment of, oh, I can't do this, I just open up those emails and have a read. And that it's always better if that kind of positive self-affirmation comes from within. However, until you're at that point, there's nothing wrong with relying on it from other people. So I love that and I do, not very often, but I do open them sometimes and have a read and go, oh, yeah, I am pretty awesome actually. And it's really, it's a really nice positive thing to do. I know clients of mine, they've also done posters on the wall with, you know, with post-it notes on or some people have it as a screensaver if they've had really good feedback, whatever works for you. but kind of reaffirming that the feedback you've had is you are good at what you do and I guarantee anybody listening to this will have had feedback saying that at some point so listing um, listing your feedback listing your achievements is another good one so you know even if you just write down all the things you've achieved and we tend to forget the stuff that we've achieved and we just think about the stuff that we haven't quite yet done yet um, so listing those achievements is really powerful another one which again some people find quite challenging is learn to accept compliments what do you like with compliments Trish? you know i'm not very good <laughs> with compliments i'll always return a compliment with something negative so if somebody says to me oh what you're wearing looks really nice i'll say oh it's only from primark or any other um, affiliated store of that level um, <laughs> but but you've always given me the advice that i should just say Thank you, and just take the compliment. Absolutely, <laughs> and and you're not alone with that. Lots of people do that, and I still do it sometimes. But you know, the, I always think if you imagine that that person giving you that feedback is they they're giving you a gift, aren't they? They're making the effort to say something nice and positive and reaffirming to you. So if we then brush that off with oh this old thing or oh you know it was really easy, oh, then we're almost almost rejecting or well, we are we're rejecting that that lovely compliment and they could take that the wrong way mm -hmm. you know so actually they are offering us this gift so we should accept it gratefully and say thank you for it mm -hmm. and it's just a lovely feeling to do that might feel a bit weird to start with especially if you're used to going oh but to say thank you very much I really appreciate that feedback it's lovely mm -hmm. it's really lovely oh, I completely agree. so uh, so to say again shift in, in kind of language and terminology here so my nemesis for example um, on Excel are pivot tables don't know about you but I <laughs> I find them immensely challenging can't quite get my head around it 
yet. So you'll notice my coin of phrase there that I can't get my head around it full stop means I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you simply add a yet on the end of that, you're telling your brain that I can't do it, not at the moment, but I will be able to do it in the future. And that links back to that, that growth mindset. I love piece. that. Mm. It always makes you think of that friend sketch when someone says pivot table. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that sketch. <laughs> There's a sketch where they're trying to move, I think it's a, a sofa or something like that into one of the, the flats and Ross keeps yelling, pivot. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they were so much fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's another good one. And then I suppose the biggest one for me is the the inner critic. So that's that naggy voice that we've already talked about. Um, and I'm a very visual person, so I like to imagine that on one shoulder I have my inner coach, or your inner cheerleader, whatever you want to call them, and on the other side I have my inner critic. Now your inner critic is there primarily to keep you safe. So, you know, um, if you're walking late at night and you know sometimes you might hear a noise and you get that kind of tingly feeling of there's something quite not quite right here, that's kind of your inner critic going, look over your shoulder, what's going on? And it's there about, it's to keep you safe. So absolutely it has its role in, in your life. However, what can happen is what happened to me a couple of years ago where that inner critic just gets overexcited and everything it, voices on everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, Anita, you can't do that. You're not clever enough. Oh, Anita, you haven't got that qualification, so you're rubbish at that. Oh, Anita, you know, you might have just done a, a presentation, but do you know what? You know, you use one lang one word that you shouldn't have used, and the rest was rubbish. Then, and I, I was so negative, and the way I spoke to myself, I wouldn't have spoken to you know somebody I don't like mm -hmm. like that, and this is me and, and I should like and love myself and I didn't mm -hmm. in that time um, and, it, and it's, it wasn't just professional stuff you know I'd I'd walk into the kitchen and the, the, that inner voice would be saying oh Anita you can't even walk past the fridge without going in and getting some chocolate you know it was everything mm -hmm. and it was really spilling over into my whole life and you don't realise how bad it is until you count up how many times you do it so there's a great technique with this so if you think this is something you experience, and I strongly suggest you have a go at this because like I said, you don't realize how often you do it. So choose a period of time in your day, and then let's say two hours, and then every time you say something negative to yourself, do a little tally chart, and then times that by the amount of hours that you're awake in the day, and you'll get a rough idea of how often you're doing this. And for me, I'm not even gonna share the figures because it was very high. Um, and it made me be sad to feel like I was talking to myself that way. So this was something that I, I knew I had to do something about. Um, and there's a technique that psychologists call flipping the switch. So, and it takes practice. I'm not saying you can literally flip the switch <laughs> and, and, and turn it off, unfortunately. But, so every time I said something to myself that was negative, I would then flip the switch. So just take a moment and go, okay, so I can't do pivot tables yet. So adding that kind of growth piece on the end of it. Or I would say to myself, okay, well actually, that's not true that I can't walk past the fridge without getting chocolate because I did it a minute ago. Or, and I would just turn it into a positive for me. Now I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying I do it every single time, but I probably do it 90% of the time. And what I've noticed is that the amount of times that inner critic talks to me now has reduced hugely. So very different mindset for me and it takes work but my god is it worth it mm. really really worth it I'm so much kinder to myself 
so much kinder. And the other thing I do, which, you know, people talk a lot now about being mindful, and I do um, a couple of practices I have. One which is um, practicing gratitude. So every night before I go to bed, I think about five things that I'm grateful for in that day. And sometimes it could be really small, sometimes it can be huge. Um, I try and do it in the mornings as well, but I tend to just stick at night times. But it's a lovely way, if you think you're going to sleep with those lovely thoughts of what's going, you know, what you're grateful for, which is fabulous. Um, so, so that works really well for me. Um, and the other thing I do is I, and this is something that um, I found oh, about six months ago now, a mindfulness technique, which again can work really well in the moment of, oh God, you know, it's all a bit overwhelming. I'm feeling that imposter syndrome creep in is the using your senses. So in that moment, thinking of um, five things that I can see, okay, around me, then it's four things that I can hear around me, three things that I can feel, two things that I can smell, and one thing that I can taste. And I love that, because it's simple, it's just so fabulous to do, and I remember me and my husband Mark, when we were on holiday recently, we did that whilst walking along the beach in the, in the in the waves that were lapping and we were just doing right five things what can we see and it just pulls you back to the moment that you're in because we're so fast-paced mm -hmm. aren't we mm -hmm. we you know it's we just forget the present moment um so that's another technique that i use if i'm feeling a bit you know that i can just bring myself back into the moment so that alongside the work that i've done with my inner coach and inner critic um imagining my inner inner coach is putting her arm around the inner critic and going it's okay we've got this you know lots of things like that visualization really really helps me but guaranteed this stuff works so give it a try because it'll really help is there anything that people can do to kind of switch off that inner voice i think you talked a lot about um making sure that we acknowledge it mm -hmm. um, and we kind of recognize that it's there can people completely switch it off well, we don't want to though really do we if that's the voice that keeps us safe mm -hmm. um so we just need to manage it and make sure it doesn't take control. Mm. So recognize that it's there for a reason, um, and it is, but that really our strongest voice should be the inner coach, should be our little cheerleader. You know, imagine it there with its pom-poms and, and cheering you on <laughs> and telling you that you are good at what you do. Yes, you might not be perfect at that yet, but you're on the road to being perfect at that. So it's just, it's really about, don't try and switch that inner critic off but manage it so that it's not stopping you doing the things that you want to do in your life. Because we're all awesome. We can do these things. It's just about believing it in ourselves. Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would sing that, but I've got an awful voice. <laughs> so how do people get in contact with you if they want to find out more about imposter syndrome? Two ways, really. So you can either go through your fabulous website, Tap HR, um, and I can do a free consultation um, with with people who are interested in talking about this. But also, I do lots of other things as well. So I'm a leadership, management, and behavioural specialist. So if I can help with any of those things, and I also do insights discovery. I'm an insights practitioner and have been for over gosh 20 years now. Um, so if you want to talk about any of those things, please get in touch. Or alternatively, you can go through Ascot Brooks, um, which is A-R-S-C-O-T-T, -T, 
and then Brooks with an ES, um, and that's my website for Ascot Brooks Consultancy, and you can see bits and pieces of what I do on there as well. But either way, get in contact, and we can talk about how I can support you and your business. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, as always. No, thank you. My pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. Any information in this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek your own legal advice. You can see our full podcast terms at www.taphr.co.uk forward slash tap hyphen HR hyphen podcast hyphen terms. Mm-hmm.